This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. This is episode 37 of series six. My co-host Craig Hutchison loves it when I introduce a show like that. Uh, and Hutchie, we're again unusually in 2020 and 21 in the same studio today in South Bank. Good afternoon or good morning as it is to you on this particular Tuesday. Good morning to this you. This week. And happy Christmas Eve for you, Damo. Tomorrow's Christmas Day, of course, the last day of trade, and then the next day is Boxing Day, which in your instance goes for 22 weeks. Boxing so Day. So we're very much looking forward to you being back on deck around April for the next AFL season in 2022. And, of course, the famous long break is coming, so you must be so excited, eh? What I am annoyed about, Hutchie, over the past three or four years, you have managed to get that uh, 22 weeks uh, lined up with me. Some traction in the in the marketplace, Hutchie. It's not the first time someone has raised it with me uh, in the last month that I've got a bit of time coming up off. You have, and we're looking forward to seeing. There's a lot to deal with with trade. We're going to deal with that through the course of the morning. Tell me, I've just been dying to ask you about this, just to get things rolling today. Mm. And by the way, thanks for all the feedback on the uh, Channel 7 shenanigans last week. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show, but... For drink-wise, I want to ask you this. Yep. When you woke up on Sunday. Sunday. It was Sunday. I'm pretty sure it was Sunday, unless it was yesterday. Sunday. When you woke up on Sunday and every single news-limited paper in the country, <laughs> bar none, the Courier-Mail, Daily Telegraph. I think I now know where Herald you're going, Sun, and I think I like it, Hutchie. <laughs> had a front page calling for climate change <laughs> and action on green. <laughs> The crusade is over and the backflip of the century has come. How did you feel when you read it, Damo? So as a News Limited ex-alumni, as someone who's probably been less positive than I have over the years about... Um, less positive? I haven't been positive at all. When you saw them do the the, the reverse of all time, <laughs> yep. how did it sit with you? Well, what you do in those circumstances, Hutchie, so you're quite right, and I, and I did notice this, and I'm glad you've picked up on it, because I love it when you get yourself involved in an idea, because I don't need to then stimulate the interest for you in it. So, clearly, clearly there's cash to be made now in, in suggesting that climate change is real. Would you suggest that as a starting point? Climate of change, Courier Mail. Green and gold, Daily Telegraph. <laughs> Everyone had their own version. We'll tweet that out. It's an extraordinary zero emissions by 2050. Oh, yeah. A month ahead of the Glasgow with the federal government involved. Did you fall off your chair? <laughs> because this, this organisation has, has been the greatest denier of such issue, hasn't it, over, over the journey? I mean, there have been reams and reams and reams of, of comments space in, in the papers on the broadcast sides of their operations just basically denying Columnus. it. N- now it's real, apparently. It's, it's real. real. So what do you think the reason is for it? Well, Hutchie, there's obviously money to be made in saying it's real. Was it A, a social conscience no. developed in the business? No, no. Was it B, Keep going. suddenly looking a little more lucrative to be on the climate change end? You're getting warmer. C, yep. some, in, some discreet discussions with the government around, look, we're going to go in a month. Can you just lay the footpath for us early and we'll screw up down the track? <laughs> B and C so far, yes. D all of the above. Yeah, no, no, just B, C, and D. <laughs> yeah. It was a shift. What I was like, and I, I was good. It was good to see. By the way, I actually support the the notion. So the idea is good. That, that doesn't matter how late you get to the party, as long as you get to the party. But the public sentiment is obviously in that on that side of things. So it, they got there in the end. Well, you, you, you don't come across as a 
Greeny to me, though, Hutchie. Yeah, I might underestimate you, though, mate. I'm, I'm a believer in, absolute believer. I am too. Yep. I'm not a Greeny. What, what, I'm, I'm, a what I'm interested in is how that phone call went internally. Like, there was a series of calls, right? Yeah. Someone picked the phone up one day. Hello. Yeah, it's New York here. <laughs> oh, yeah, sir. How are you, sir? Um, look, we're going to get straight to the point. There's no easy way to sugarcoat this. We're going hard on climate change. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's been yep. driven from New York to deny it, though, hasn't it? Mondays. Mondays, <laughs> paper, everywhere. Sunday. I don't care what it looks like, how you put your local spin on it, what language you use, you're going front page, <laughs> colours green and gold. Oh, okay, that's not going to travel well with the columns. You sort that out there. Well paid, those blokes. I'll, I'll figure it out. And the next call from the editor. <laughs> Just got a call from New York. Hello, Andrew Bolt. <laughs> Andrew, it's, um, it's uh, John Doe here, the head of strategic corporate communications and strategy for News Corp Australia. Might it be Robert Thompson to put a real name in there? No, we've really got someone to do the lifting on this one for <laughs> sure. Uh, oh, hello, I haven't heard of you. Yeah, look, the respective <laughs> editors have asked me to call a pre-brief on a change of strategy, which we're not asking you to support, but we're just letting you know. Oh, hang on, the next thing you're going to be telling me is something about climate change. <laughs> yeah, look, it is. <laughs> But again, your column Monday, or we'd be very encouraging you to write something negative about our position. <laughs> what do you mean your position? Well, we might be running a. What well, you're running a story on climate change? Yeah, where page seven? No, three <laughs> ish. <laughs> no, no, next thing you're going to be telling me it's on the splash in every paper in Australia, and, and a wrap around, <laughs> and a wrap around. Oh. <laughs> so, to his credit, Andrew, he did write the. I don't believe in this version of the column on Monday. <laughs> He held his nerve. And the Australian owners weren't in. Did you see that? No. They stayed out, the Australian. <laughs> oh, they, oh, of they, course they did. How do they get the exemption? Well, they just beat to their own drum. How do they get the exemption? Doing this program today, this week on, on a Tuesday morning, there's another series of there's front page pointers. I've, I haven't read it, but I've oh, seen front page pointers. I've got better than that. I found yeah. this online last night. Yeah. You know how they have sections on the dot .com? You know, like sports section and... Yeah, yeah. There's a climate change section oh, now. No. <laughs> Here we go. There's not. Victoria, coronavirus, AFL. <laughs> climate change. Let me go down further. I'll, I'll find it for you. World National Environment. <laughs> you... Oh, there it is. Mission Zero. That's a oh. section. Mission Zero is a new section on the heraldsun.com.au platform. So you, you tell me, Hutchie, you, you you know that on any such project of such nature with organisations like Look this... Look at the yarns on it. There's wh- five. Where's the where's the money trail on this one? Because th- this is what this is about. Let, let's not let's not muck around with this. They're, they're and, only doing this because there's money now to... Or eventually there's more money to be made in supporting the cause than there is in denying it. In all seriousness... You can't. Be, I don't begrudge anyone who arrives at a different view along the journey. You know that you you are entitled to have an evolution of your opinion in life, don't we? Yeah, but it needs to be lined up Society. relatively with the facts at play, Hutchie, and, and not much of what they've been doing in this space has been lined up with so those. While we've been facts. satirical today and having a bit of fun, society does change and evolve, and that's okay. That's fair and reasonable. Oh, here's, your, here's your normal softener. It's fair and reasonable, Damo, and the the public sentiment is clearly in that they, they have been out of step a little bit with the public sentiment. Oh, a little bit, have they? Just a little bit. So they've, but they've no. But take me through the money trail because there's all just always follow the money on anything, Hutchie. Follow the money. How, well, how are they make money out of this? Because that's it's, what it's, is, is it. A, is it a federal government? If you push, if you believe the Sydney Morning Herald today, which right. is which, which we should put the writer on is the competitor. By <laughs> the way, so that's take that lens across Sydney Morning Herald. Say that you know the reason why that they once warned of a six billion dollar cost from cutting emissions and now claiming a two trillion dollar benefit from doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. Is because of Scott Morrison's reposition is ahead. 
So, and uh, Kevin Rudd, who again is got a best interest, he's called a greenwash yesterday. But the um, the belief is that Morrison is going to soften a month out from now, and that's the, the path they're on. Josh Frydenberg's already half flagged that. That, and then now realise if the government go and the people go, well, then there's no choice but to go. So there it is. There's the money trail. So if if they were to follow their own lead on... It might also have been a change of leadership or a change of someone in the position of power. Who knows? But it's I don't think there has been any positions of, of change in there, have there, Hachi? There's still a, I haven't read any release where and people have got new jobs. So no, there would To their be. credit, they're... Conservative columnists are still going to go the other way, so that's all right. Well, have they since the launch yeah. of... as I mentioned, Andrew Bolt on Monday wrote a story that was out of step with the front page. Okay. And that's well, fair enough. Well, I didn't read that. Well, if, if they if they then um, admit to wrongdoings at the Essendon Footy Club circa 2012 and 13, would that be a bigger story than them now admitting that they might have backed the wrong horse on climate change, Hutchie? <laughs> Bridge too far, I think. That, that'd be the more. About that'd be more seismic a shift in in policy, wouldn't it? They've right. They've been like the next door neighbour who said we can't stand that party going on next door, and they just crashed in with a bottle of champagne. Up past ten, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple on speak, trade. Couple on trade for you. Before, before you go. now, before we jump off the federal government, I, I wanted to uh, highlight to you. I said it to you during the course of the week, um, as we do in the the WhatsApp with with Jane here. Uh, the photo, the photo that bemused me all year, all week was was Scott Morrison. <laughs> At the barbecue. At the barbie, yeah. Now, now, can you describe it to me, actually? Because I love it when you get going into detail as to what I'm referring to, just the way you, you well, then took people through those conversations between News Limited people in New York and their columnists. So describe what it is I want to talk about, and then I want to talk about it probably in a different reason. He has, he has an official photographer, don't forget, who's only one allowed to shoot him. That's right. So that's taken by his man. I forgot about who that. Lives in the, who lives in the uh, bungalow out the back. So describe the stupid smirk on face, just to start. He's got a casual T-shirt on. He's got the loafers on. He's got the kind of slacks on. Yeah. It looks like the sort of Sunday lunchtime. Oh, yeah. He's got a bit of ruffled hair. Make sure you ruffle that a little bit before we take the shot. Yep. And then he's got like the, the sauce to the left. He's got his yep. phone on the edge of the uh, barbie. He's got the mushies sort of. <laughs> and he's got the leaves to, to show that he's responsible in yep. the way he's serving. And then he's sort of. He's ha- got something in his hand. Hacking away at the, uh, at the grill. Yeah. Now, the problem here is. And he's he... taking the photo, looking up like as if he's been caught taking the barbies. Yeah. Got the. Oh, you've snuck out here and taken a photo of me, have you? Look. I've got a problem with this, Hachi. The barbecue's not on. on have a, a look. The barbecue yeah, is on. not on. How have you picked that up? Because well, I'm a barbecue expert, as you oh, know. Oh, my goodness. The barbe- and there's no steam or smoke or anything coming off that barbecue, Hutchie. Nothing. You reckon it's not on? It's not on. And it, he's got onions on the grill. And also, are they onions? I think he's trying to cook a curry, Hutchie. Oh, whoever, who tries to cook a curry on a barbecue? You think he's out? Oh, my goodness. You've picked up a great think- barbecue scandal here. The chefs in the Kirribilli house have cut up all those things for him. For a curry that's going to be cooked in the Kirribilli kitchen, and he's gone, right, I need that out at my barbecue. He wouldn't even know to turn that thing on, Hutchie. There's four empty bowls on the right, too, now you mention it. Yeah. There's no there's no smoke, is there? There's nothing coming under yeah, the... Yeah, that's a reasonable pickup. <laughs> if no. you, I, I would think if you're going to take a photo at a barbecue, at least have the barbecue on. With the with the, the spoon he's got in his hand, Yeah, it's it's he's dropped it vertically. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, like, yeah, surely even I who can't cook know that that goes on an angle, yeah. does it? You well, can't. It's like you can't go down on it. But the photographer said, "Listen, mate, we need to see what's in your hand." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good pickup. We'll share that on the sounding board uh, socials. 
that's an awkward photo, Hachi. Yep. That's an awkward photo. Um, take got- me take me through take me through what's happened with this particular trade period from a, a trade radio perspective because you get access to the numbers. It, it seems to be being listened to in in record numbers as it has for every day it's, of its existence when you had the idea I, about 12 years ago? I know there'll be cynics that says not a lot's happened. The big, oh. big names haven't been there. There's, there's too much discussion all day. All, rah, rah. I know there's that element of the community. And you can listen to as little or as much as you want. That's the thing. You don't have to listen. You and do it, not have to listen. And, yeah. and it's free. Yeah. <laughs> but it, the numbers have been through the roof again. So there is a mass interest on the whole. Not, all, not everyone's cup of tea in trade. And... Gee, you see some interesting things in trade period, don't I? I've got a couple of observations. Have you? Now, this will come, this will sound a bit. Uh, I'll preface this by saying, a, I've done Spin City for many years on this program. Yeah, to your own detriment. And b, I'm, in your own personal relationships, b, to your own detriment. B, I'm actually a big fan of the subject of this. <laughs> but clearing the decks on that. Yeah. Luke Sayers' tweet calling Carlton the destination <laughs> club. Yeah. Now. That that is spin I couldn't attend. Right? <laughs> Carlton is a destination club. Look at the names about it. You've added those names because you had sacked everyone there and you had to fill them with somebody. So there was going to be fifteen people arrive at your club merely by those roles being vacant. It doesn't make it a destination club. It means you filled your roles. <laughs> yep. At some point, Carlton they've got to let their actions speak louder than their words, <laughs> and, um, and and maybe just win enough games to sort of get near the eight yep. at some stage of their life. Number two. Yep. You've actually done notes. What are you doing? You've if, done notes. If I said you as a list manager. You've never done notes for this If I said show. you as a list manager, list 50 things for me. You don't want the club to do or get involved with this trade period. Yeah. You'd list 50 through number two and then say, look, and I'll give you the number one, which is the obvious one, but of course this will never happen. The president sends out an email saying we're going to trade players. <laughs> but no, no one would be that daft. So let's agree that'll never happen. Yeah. So there's number two, yep. And Je- then Jeff Kearns letter to email, uh, email to, to members, yep. And then when, when he walked in the list manager at that particular club, he would have said, he would have been outraged and said, next thing he'll be telling me the senior coach is going to be ringing other senior coaches telling them that we want to take, take our place. Now, has there been a more ham-fisted attempt to trade what you gave up lots for than than the four twenty-six are over? No, and, and just on that, we won't get too specific here, Hutchie, but all those stories to which you refer to the Hawthorne Footy Club are real, are valid, and well-reported by not just we on Trade Radio, but everyone else on the AFL system have, have been reporting those stories accurately, yes. Yeah. It was from a, from a business that has been at the front end of footy and it's science for a long time, and it's a way of acting. It, it's been a fairly average um, carnival for them, I reckon. I'm with you so far. You, you didn't keep going down that list. Is there anything else? No? That's it. Um, trade? The only other thing I learned during the week is that when Mark Stevens left, <laughs> Here we go, his short, short-lived political career, his farewell speech at, on interview with JB on the Friday night footy went longer than his political career in the end. But what I realised is he's got a good verity score at the Herald Sun. He must have. He must have. Because they, they run him front page on any time he does anything, yep. which is odd, but he's got a good verity score because they pulled out the four paragraphs of backroom bad. Baz- <laughs> I saw that. And run it as a breakout on the dot com. I fell for that one, Hutchie. You know, as you know, there's a little temptation. I fell in too. To, to, to not, I play this game with myself, Hutchie. Yep. I'm not clicking on that story. I'm not clicking on that story. I'm not, I ended up yes. clicking on that story, and it was the same story I'd read the previous day, Hutchie. Might have clicked on twice. <laughs> <laughs> I went again to make sure I hadn't. There wasn't more down the bottom that I missed by the fold. 
they, they they like Steve O more than they did when he when they had him on, yeah, well, on their books. We well, must verity score well because the digital editor's gone. Hang on a second. Was there four paragraphs in the backroom badge yesterday on that yeah. column that Can we was not widely read in the paper? I'm going to pull that out and turn that into a digi yarn. <laughs> Just back on to trade radio for a moment, Hutchie. Um, How have you found it? Yeah, again, look, the specifics this year in terms of the players' names are not what has happened in previous 10, 11 years of trade radio. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But I, I feel the interest is is every bit as there as it always has been. Um, and I think that's being reflected in the, the numbers consuming it. I just wanted to um, have a statement here, Hachi. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, and I'm open hand up on this, when you first suggested it to myself and Terry Wallace, whenever it was, 12 years ago, you had this idea to run 12 hours a day for three and a half weeks of trade radio. I think I did say at that very point in time, it's the worst idea I've ever heard. So I'm, I'm wildly inaccurate on my assessment of this. I think some people in media, Hutchie, even had that view as recently as maybe even three or four weeks ago. Same organisation, same people are now devoting hours a day on their own platforms talking about the thing that they once looked down their nose at and scoffed at. And that's a good thing. Like, it's there's not a product. There's not a product that, can, that media is... I don't think there's a product like it in the country of any genre. So to give you a lens on podcasts, for, for instance... We've got between six and ten of the top hundred podcasts in Australia, depending on the month. Last week, our podcasts were up 50. Depending on how you, you distribute no, it? No, depending on whether you call it unique or total audience, which then there's been two metrics. But in either metric, we're between six and ten. The number last week was about 50% growth week on week. Like, it's there's mass interest in it. It's not even a podcast product, really. So it's people are fascinated by it. I think the footy fan is much smarter than has been given credit for. They understand Absolutely. the flow of information. They want to have an opinion on the flow of deals. Yep. As I mentioned here, 12 years ago, people would have outlandish comments about trades, and now they understand the future picks. And Yes. There's, there's some really great footy nerds out there like us. Like us. I'm not a footy nerd. No, we're not footy nerds. You're a footy nerd. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yep. No, don't you dare say um, that. Yeah, it, caused, it caused me a bit of angst last week because I didn't want to oh, get no. involved in the seven stuff. Because I'd committed to Tom. You didn't want to get involved in it, but then you then contributed and partook in 15 minutes of our, of our attempted humour. Out of much love for the two people whose careers we've had a role in, you and I. We're Stadler and Waldorf from the... Heck, we put the Stadler and Waldorf, Waldorf music on before we do this. Just give us a little dose of a chain. There we go. It's time to press up right. It's time to get things started. For a second, we're going to row. We've gone with music, Hachi. Actually, I got a bit of bad feedback about us, our music suggestions last week. No more music. Two different people said no more music. What music do we play? Well, I, 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 you, you played something that you said was being played on rotation too often. Oh yeah. And then I, I then threw in the uh, Kid Leroy song, which I'm listening to at the moment. That that didn't go down well. So, so we got a lot of feedback about, and it's a bit. Close to me because I went through it with Anthony Mithin, as I mentioned at Channel Ten. So, but we've got the arrival of Mitch Cleary at seven, <laughs> which just amuses us. No end. Which arrived, and he was the original producer of our show, so we we much love. And then we also well, and then, I, and then when I he love, left when he left to go to the AFL, you haven't spoken to him since that moment. Yeah, that's what you would say. I no, he's told me that. Also, love Tom Brown. I've been a big advocate of his style and aggression for a long time. You can't deny that. I've been a big advocate. Yeah. And now they're coexisting week two. <laughs> Week one is over. How did you assess, before we get into this, the first week of the coexistence well, of the two two of the rising can we, stars can, of Australian journalism? Can we be self-indulgent here? I suppose we are every single week when we sit down and talk about this stuff, Hutchie, on this show. We are self-indulgent. We tip this. 
You called the promo. You said there was a... It's a promo. You, you had I was wrong, though. I thought it was with Jane Bunn. Yep. <laughs> it was with Tim Watson. So, But it was a promo shoot. My spies are on the money, Hutchie. I've told you. I've got seven spies now. It was a staggered slip, Gordon. There was, Tim was keeping... <laughs> Tom had got himself first slip, and Mitch <laughs> right, was strategically placed on an angle at least. This is why, even I don't know what you're talking about sometimes, but you, you know, so this was a plan, was it? So the placement of talent in that shot is coordinated. You've got to make it's everyone not, happy. Right. Now, one of the things I've learned about promos over the years, I've, as hard stick. as this is to believe, I've actually been in a couple of these myself, don't know, along the way, as have you. You don't ever really learn about who's in the promo. Yep. Or to put, let me ask you the question. When do you normally learn who's in the promo you're shooting? When you roll up to be... Place where information transfers in the television business. <laughs> you don't find out anything ever unless it's in a makeup chair. You sit down and they'll say, oh, I just had Tom Brown. And you go, what? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, he's shooting the promo with you today. And then you think, why has he been invited earlier than me? <laughs> what was his call time? <laughs> Yeah. And and the other way they're doing it now, Bihachi, as you know, with I think COVID's forced this, also getting everyone together in the same room, you end up having individual shots and they piece the photo together they now do, yeah. after the event and you don't know where you're going to be in the shot. And sometimes you could be shorter in the way they've packaged the photo up than you actually are and it makes you look shorter than and the then person. If you ask the promo, you say, where, where will I get? And they go, oh, I don't want to get involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in makeup was when... It, Tom would have learnt Mitch existed in the promo in makeup. I've got no doubt. Tom would have sat down here, me and Wispy doing a photo shoot today. Yeah, I heard there's a few of you. A few of us? <laughs> yeah, Mitch is in intent. Mitch! <laughs> He's only been here a day. <laughs> so I want to recap the week. This is what happened, right? You're, first, on, fire, you're on fire with this stuff, Archie. First of all, to give ourselves a little pat on the back here, we did pick up last week. In the two-header Inside AFL videos that were going out every day. Which took off when someone repurposed it for us. The presentation of these was difficult because it was, well, this is what we picked up last week about how they were being done. Because this is a, it's a two-header, there's no other way <laughs> presenting-wise for Tom to do this than to ask Mitch the question. <laughs> so if you, if you go back and watch them, Tom, here we are with Seven's Twitter update and... Uh, I'm Tom Brown, and I'm joined by Mitch Cleary. And Mitch, what's going on at the book? He's having to actually solicit the information. And if there's any doubt we're self-indulgent, we're now throwing back throwing to our work from ourselves. the previous week on this show. So something, that, that's so, something we never said we'd ever do. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but it did set up the next day. <laughs> so the next day, having heard the sounding board, someone at seven, Sean Minagala, all the two of them together or otherwise, decided that it would be they can't continue down that path and Mitch is going to have to ask Tom a question back in the middle of the seg. But this is a, this causes a problem because then it changes who's hosting the show well, because well, that hang, ca- carries a certain hang, gravitas. Hang Tom's still hosting as of oh, Thursday, okay. but Mitch is told before the, the promo to have to ask him a question back to get around our criticism. Have a listen to the awkward pause of Mitch as he attempts to do this for the first time. You reckon that's a good deal for the Dockers? Good deal for the Dockers. I don't think. I think they were maybe expecting to give up something else as part of that deal, but they get six and a future third. Where's this Petrovsky seat in one sitting? Petrovsky seat, I expect. Petrovsky seat, I expect will get there done is. this afternoon. A little pause. I think that, to, to use a Jay's Brayshaw phrase, you could drive a truck through that pause. And by yesterday, so we've seen Tom lead, then we've seen the awkward Mitch ask a question back. Then by yesterday, they've gone full circle in five days because in Tom's mind, he's got the better story of the day. Oh, Mitch. You pick it up off the top. 
Time for a 7 News trade update. Mitch Cleary with Tom Brown. Tom, so much to unpack before 6 tonight. Let's start with Bobby Hill. Where are things right now, less than 72 hours out from the trade deadline? Mitch, the word I'm getting this morning is the Giants and Jason McCarty in particular have been calling other Victorian clubs not keen on dealing with Essendon on an exclusive basis. At the word I'm getting this morning. So there you go. So, so in the pre-show meeting for that one, Tom would have well, said, listen, I've, I've, I've got our lead today. I need you to get to me straight away. Well, I know what's happened here. I've got the mail. Have you? Have you got seven spies too, have you? I've got spies. seven spies. Yep. I've got spies. So when you've got two combinations that don't fit together, yeah, Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone come to mind from <laughs> Anchorman. Right. But as our Twitter feed identified, the more tricky combination ever, this was a common thread on Twitter, Kobe and Shaq. How do they fit on the floor at the same time? you got Kobe, who in this instance is Mitch, the young gun coming through at a rapid rate of knots, and he wants to be the guy with the ball. And then you got Shaq, and Shaq is Tom, and Tom knows he can sit under the post all day and win, and win most times. I've got a problem with, with linking those two icons of sport, actually, with at least one person in the conversation we're having here. What? Shaq and Kobe and Tom oh, Brown? On the court. Oh, please. Kobe and Shaq was the reference from Twitter, so I'm picking up and running with it. So I'm told that Sean Menegola... Right. Very mindful, the Seven News director of Kobe and Shaq, he got Phil Jackson in to consult on this situation. He bought the legendary coach who, who corralled Kobe and Shaq on the same floor and got them to three championships, Phil Jackson. But that comes in. at a price. So are they paid for this arrangement now? Phil Jackson was brought in to consult on the construct of these promos, and Phil Jackson has been kind enough to join us live oh, exclusively on the sounding something. board. From the United States. And Phil, as I welcome you in, you've been consulting on this, Mitch and Tom Brown. How did you make this happen over six days and make this figure out? The most important thing that they learn is that they play together. Because if they play for themselves, which is the allure, that they become disjointed and disengaged from each other. Well, you got them playing together in these videos, Phil. There's no doubt about it. You famously coached the Lakers once on Zoom, and I believe you were Zooming in on the promo shoot last week that we've talked about, Damo and I, today. Can you tell us how you made that promo shoot work, Phil? They performed, and it was pretty miraculous. And everybody's happy about it. We do the thing. Everybody wants to be part of the glory. And that's the tough thing about winning is that sometimes... It's just as hard to win as it is to lose because there's not enough glory to go around or whatever. I don't know how you exactly term that. Well, I think you spread the glory really well, Phil, in that promo in the end. It worked out magnificently, and all three got their hang time. Mitch is a young guy. He's in a hurry. He's still going with this. What advice, Phil, would you give him? Hey, young fella, don't try to do it by yourself. You know, we're here to help. We'll do it together, okay? They know how to do it together. It's just, you know, bending their will and bending their ego to doing it together. Well, you have bent their oh, egos. Oh, you're not going because again. Because last question, Phil, on Friday night, Sam Mitchell was Mitch's exclusive, and then Tom last night led. So how have you got this horses for courses philosophy going? So it's a, a battle of wills that are going on. And so I just kind of let it play out. And I kind of let the two opposing forces have a little bit of a, a by-play, and then things sway back and forth between these two. And, one group had a series of press guys they'd talk to, and the other guy wouldn't talk to those press guys. And it, so it was like this kind of bickering war that was going on that was like almost child stuff and, you know, teenage stuff. Well, we would never get involved in child stuff or teenage <laughs> stuff, Phil. Thanks very much for joining us. Phil Jackson there joining us. Sorry, Phil. From the United States. And we're two of the press guys, Phil, that neither of them speak to anymore after our coverage of this. <laughs>
But that was exclusive. <laughs> Phil Jackson was behind there, so I think it's a great that's move. That's a good get, Archie. That's, a, that's only our second guest on uh, on the sounding board over the journey. We had Dennis pa- <laughs> our third. We had Adam from uh, Ralph's Meats, and we had we had Dennis Pagan on once before. Phil Jackson, uh, <laughs> unbelievably great insight from seven. I think Susan Wood was behind this. She was brought back <laughs> the publicist, and she tracked down Phil Jackson. <laughs> And uh, it's a great coup to get <laughs> Phil involved in. And, and as you said, they've got to coexist on the floor and they've been able to find a way to do that by uh, alternating who hosts the clips now, don't they? <laughs> a couple of things there, Hutchie. I find that funny. I hope our listeners do too. But oh, you've, you've never put more prep into a show than what you have just displayed there in the previous five minutes. Episode 37 of Series 6. You've actually got notes, which I've never seen you have. And, and not only do I now know you've got notes, you've actually done some pre-production with Jane to tee those grabs up. <laughs> it was Phil on the Thank phone. Thank you for contributing to he this show in advance. for was enough to take the call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, series just before anyone six of episode, episode 37 of Series 6. That, that's a momentous occasion for this show. You I, can do it, Hutchie. You can prep. I don't care if people think that was self-indulgent and not one person finds no, it, it funny. No, it, it was, Hutchie. That was an enjoyable six or seven minutes. <laughs> it was self-indulgent and it might be up to the beholder is whether it was funny. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> Might have been one grab too many. <laughs> yeah, one or two. If you were doing that on the footy show, you would have been told, no, no, we'll run Wrap the first up. two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know where to go after that. We may as well go, come back, bring it back to uh, boring topics like uh, the Victorian state government's handling of this situation, Hutchie, and, and, and allowing potentially, drum roll, 10,000 people to the Melbourne Cup. I knew you were going to go. Knew, we had really. to go there at some stage. So today, let me we? guess, Captain Sinek, you're against this as well? Well, seriously. We, I can't go to my, see my mum on, under the rules I'm currently living under, but if I was a VRC member, I may be able to go to the Melbourne Cup. Seriously. Yeah, but the, the Melbourne Cup is not tomorrow, Damo. I know it's not. three Hutchie. weeks away. I know it's not. People need to have some hope oh, and some goals. And yeah. I thought it was just- I have a hope to be able to, to actually speak to someone like I once did and was what I was able to do in another state three weeks ago. I think the, the move was a good one. I know you'll disagree. I think it was a great one, actually, because it gave people – like, people just need to see the path out and the fact that there's a better day and a better life ahead for us. And Cup Day's not that far away, and it's symbolic. You might not want to go to the Cup. You probably don't. Mm. A lot of people won't. You might want to be- – have people over at your house or vice versa, which I think you're going to No, be I, there's no guarantee you can have people around oh, your house. I, I think that's going to be... Well... I think there's going to be a small number allowed. That hasn't been announced what, yet, but... What, three? Yeah. And and obviously what pubs, about, what pubs about, are though? going to be open to some degree. Part of the reason I wanted to talk about this was the, this constant need for people in this backwater of a country and particularly state and city... We feel the need to constantly have the world look at us and tell us we're doing okay. There was three references in that same press conferences. This will be a message to the world that we're working our way through it. The world couldn't give a care for what we're doing here, Hutchie. The world's moved on. Have a look at what's well, happening in every other environment, and particularly in a sporting sense. Have a look at NFL, well, college football. Yeah. They, what, they're going to go, you reckon there's a New York um, publication or an LA publication? Mm, look, at, look at that the little backwater down there. There's 10,000 people at a stadium that holds 150,000. They're on the right track. Do you reckon they're going to care? What, why do we care what they think anyway? No, we shouldn't care what they think, but they are laughing at us. Of course they are. But If they actually knew where we were. doesn't make them right and us wrong, though. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But why do we, my, my, my reason for raising this is, why card? do we want people, why do we want people from overseas to look at us and tell us we're doing a good job? I agree with you on that. We shouldn't. But the, you know, this, we're, we're going to get to a point, hopefully, where we're one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. That's very achievable from here. So for all of the despair, for all of the hardship, 
and for all of the suffering so and many what's that going to mean under the control we've still got because there'll be booster shot requirements there'll be percentage there's already been percentage changes booster shots on. will be on our door in a minute it's coming yeah. and it's and there's and that's some- all good too I'll, I'll, I'll sign up to it I'll, I'll do it the, the first moment I'm told I have to do it which I've been doing as you have yep did you see the commentary? I think it was Jeff Van Gundy on the NBA who said he made comment about the vaccines and he said, what about when you hear people say, I'm going to do my own research on this? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? <laughs> yeah. There's been so you hundreds, go to- hundreds of billions of dollars invested by doctors and professors around the world. There's been trillions of dollars spent on the recovery for 18 months. They've been in labs trying to fast-track vaccines out of nearly every country in the world. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to get on Google and decide you've got a better path forward. <laughs> It's a little bit a Google search, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you're gonna go into a lab with a with a mask on and. Um, there was an NBA player you might have seen it actually. He, he uh, was being interviewed. Now, was it the Bucks who won the NBA title last year? Was it? Is that who Giannis? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they won. Um, I don't. I don't know whether he's recruited to the Bucks or he's leaving the Bucks or whatever it was. But he said he's going to do his own research. He, he didn't see the Bucks win the game, the final game uh, to, that, that secured the championship. And he said, oh, "I'm going to do my own research on that." Taking the you know what out of what you're just saying there, yep. but people doing their own research. What does that look like? What does it look hey, like? How, what would you do if you're the Nets if he if you've got a situation where Kyrie Irving won't be vaccinated? He's yep. not allowed to play home games under the New York law, but he would be eligible to play a series of away games. Well, NFL players have been effectively sacked, haven't they? Cam Newton got the boot from from New England because he wouldn't be vaxxed. Again, that's an official version of but the I events. Think but in the NFL, a there's a lot more people on the floor on the on the court, on the field. Yep. And B, the star factor doesn't have as big a like you know. No disrespect to Cam Newton, but there's probably five quarterbacks of similar level. So the risk rewards a bit like Kyrie Irving. How are they going to play this? Well, you tell me. Well. It, the early language sounded like that they were in this season going to accept he couldn't play home games. That's extraordinary. Mm. It's Corey Irving, though, isn't Steve it? Steve Nash's initial was we're aware he can't play at home and we'll have to deal with things as they go through the season. You couldn't, you couldn't long term keep a player on your list who's only eligible for away games, could you? And and we discussed this a couple of weeks ago too, Hutchie. The AFL, as as we wade through this, is yet to formalise and announce publicly its own policy, and it's doing what it does, the due diligence on everything. But the, the decision's been made on its behalf, with all the governments making their and, own and rulings. It, it almost doesn't need one, does it? Because yep. if you're going to go and travel into a certain state that has a certain rule to be vaccinated, well. There's there's the policy. Yep. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think the the, the heavy lifting is being done by people other, other than the codes. Yeah. Hey, uh, attribution was needed. My on air colleague on Saturday mornings, Liam Pickering, yes. aka Picks, tipped me into a documentary series on Netflix called Bad Sports. Bad Sport. Um, he's a good judge in the movie space, so I've endorsed it and watched three episodes. What are we dealing with? Is it, is it documentary style? Yep, it's a documentary-style Netflix series. Uh, there's one on Hansi Cron now you'll love, which is oh, yeah. episode six. Tells you the whole behind-the-scenes story. Uh, the, the Fresh interviews or just recap? All fresh interviews. Yeah. Point-shaving in college about... Uh, the gambling? Yeah, amazing, episode one. Wow. Highly endorse it to those at home who follow us. Have a look. Uh, bad sport. It's, it came from old mate Picks. Well, he'd know. But bad sport on Netflix, very good and well worth a look. Speaking of TV, did you manage to have a look at uh, our man, Winks, Nick McKenzie, on 60 Minutes again? He wouldn't want to be opening a casino licence anywhere this side of the Southern Hemisphere because he's going to have Winks chasing him around on a Saturday. He's gone after Star Casino now. Did you watch it? What yeah, you think? Yeah. 
What? Why is it that he can do the work of regulatory authorities around the country who would be millions and millions of dollars in operations? He, he's a one-man band and yeah. he's bringing down and exposing activity that these regulatory authorities I'll, should I'll, be I'll having a look at, Hutchie. I'll tell you why. Have you ever heard of something that I would call the journalistic tipping point? What is it? Well, you tell me what it is, Hutchie. The journalistic tipping point is when, and I never got to it, so I'm observing rather than referencing us in this. The journalistic tipping point is where you chase stories for so long and are so good at them that you become the guy or the girl, and then the tipping point is when the story then finds you. So he's gone past the mountain now. He's yep. on the other side of the mountain where his phone rings. Yep. If people want change, they just go to him. People want rather change, they the ring authorities. Him. So there'll be someone who's saying, well, Star got off the hook on all this. You know, They've yep. been doing worse than... What? Then Crown has. Well. <laughs> Allegedly. There's a whole bunch of uh, opinion that sits behind that that we won't delve into, but all of a sudden stars under the pump and no doubt he hasn't gone looking for that. That story's found him. I love it, though, when he does actually interview the authorities. It's impossible to get to the journalistic tipping point. 99.9% of journalists are on the other side of the journalist. It's only the point one where... Yeah, you're trying to find those he's, moments. He's, he's got three next whales on his desk to, to sift through. Yeah. He said people say... This is a big deal, and I'm outraged about it. And it's a monster story, and there's only one person for it. That's Winks. So that's when you get to the, the tipping point. And that's when you can have some real. It's like 10 minutes to go in the grand final, up by 40. You just, how's he you just the, having fun. How's he find the time, though, Hutchie? We don't need the time anymore. They come to him. No, he's, he, no, he's still got to put his name to it. He'd be doing all his own cross checks. Don't for a minute think he's taking the platter that's given to him. He's still got to He'd, verify it. If he hasn't got a little, little office set up inside. Fairfax now and, and Nine with his own little crew. Little I'll go, like if you're going to get one of those every eight weeks that rates 800 or whatever it was, you're going to give him a, a floor. And the promos are so beautifully vague, like aren't they? They just we're going to – Nick McKenzie's going to bring down someone else this week. And they sell Tune pa- in to find out who it is. Sell papers as well. So they've, they've got two or three offices to split across the P&L. Do, do you love the moment when, when he gets the someone from the authority on camera and it's – yeah, the first couple of questions are – I won't say Dorothy Dix's, but they're just a softening component. And then he gets to the reason yeah. he's got the bloke on or, or woman on. And you can just see the shifting in the eyes when that yeah. question comes. I thought the, Oops, the recipient I don't know the answer que- to that. The recipient of his questions on Sunday handled it well. He did. He, did. he, he pushed back on him a couple of times. You can see that moment, but he actually held a, the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. There was a hint of an overreach of a question, I thought. And and, and they gave him an unfair cutaway. When, <laughs> when the guy gave him a clip back, they ran the cutaway of him nodding. Nodding. Which they shouldn't have done. <laughs> then they went to an ad break, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. So... He is in. He is in this point of you can overreach when things are hot. His biggest obstacle here is just going one too far on a story. Like that would be when you when you've seen him like watermelons, like he is at the moment. Oh, the overreach just becomes the issue. Well, there's still the overhang of the um, whole uh, military story, isn't there? In, in a legal sense, stakes have got pretty high on him for that. Massive one. on yeah. that one, yeah. And again, he'll back the story up. Hutchie, let's head to question of Aren't we the done? week. Surely, nearly. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Andrew Dowling on Twitter. The author, Janet Malcolm, once described journalists as a, quote, kind of confidence man preying on people's vanity, ignorance or loneliness, gaining their trust and betraying them without remorse, close quote. Do you agree? And are you surprised by the trust given to journos by interview subjects? You first. 
It's a very negative question, Andrew. It's a fair point to raise. <laughs> um, there's no doubt that some people would feel that they have trusted journalists over the history of journalism and, and been burnt by that particular trust. But not in my experiences, Andrew. I'll, I'll defend the craft. I'll defend the caper. I'll defend the... Um, the uh, inhabitants of the journalistic space on on that I, I don't I I think as much as you know the usual jokies who do you trust least when you do a survey of the general public and there's real estate agents car dealers and journalists all in the box trifecta that'll always happen but I, I feel journalists are probably as trusted a group of people particularly certain parts of that group than any member of any facet of society when it comes to what well you look at you look at you how many times have you been brought into someone's trust. I'm not talking about the industry, <laughs> but the individuals within it. Well, Nick, you've just you've spent 10 minutes talking about Nick McKenzie. Yeah, I think oh, it's a complicated question. The public trust in journalism is is not high. No, but the question is not about the public. Did you read the question? I know. I, was, I don't think I you was, heard the question. I was about to say. Do you want me to read it again? Hang on a sec. The public trust in journalism is not high, but the subject's trust in journalism is generally very, very high. Which is the question, Hutchie. I and, might have to read this question again. No, it's all right. And... I agree with the question in part. If you could remember what I just read out. In part that people people go too far. <laughs> what was the question? I read it on social and the first time it was read. <laughs> what is it we're talk, trying to talk about here? I think we might have had enough on this show. I think you've too much research into this show. Journalists do betray the trust they're given from time to time. You've regathered there. Well done. I think the fact you prepared for this show has, has sent you off your beam here. So we, we might leave it there, Andrew. It's probably a deeper conversation. We will revisit it at some stage. Episode 37, Series 6 of The Sounding Board. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to The Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.